So Julian Zavistovsky, thanks very much for joining us on Idea Market Podcast. Um, so we're really going to be discussing your work over at the Gollum Foundation and more recently with Wildland IO. But I've also got some questions just about, I was reading your blog, you have this really fascinating um, thing you wrote actually quite a while ago now on climate change and crypto. Um, but I've also got some questions oh. about... Um, you know, ideas for the future and things like that. But before we do jump in, um, we have this sort of opening question here. Uh, instead of sort of just telling people about yourself, um, Julian, if you were to develop a course or a bootcamp course, and the purpose of it is basically for everyone who completes the course, they become a clone of yourself. What would that course look like? Wow, that's a lot of question. Um, clone <laughs> of myself. <laughs> well, you know, uh, professionally speaking, of course. Um, you know, I'm 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 an economist by trade. So so in fact, like the, the a lot of my thinking about technology, uh, politics, society has some um, economics in the background. Mm -hmm. And what I find uh, particularly interesting is like our institutions, so institutional economics. So this is um, um, researching or understanding like how institutions shape world around mm -hmm. us, and, and in fact, like quite a lot of social and political and economic phenomena can they could be boiled down to to the institutions. Including like what we observe in the centralized space, blockchains. Like you can you can you can you can name I think like a, for example like a consensus mechanism you have like an or or, or on-chain governance as a kind of institution. So so I I would probably try to convince people how institutions are shaping our world around. Maybe it doesn't sound really exciting, but yeah, I think that's what. I can tell you like from the top of my mm -hmm. head. So I'm interested. I mean, were you um, of any particular economic school or was it just general, like general economics of the such a thing? Well, you know, uh, I think this is something that is evolving for every thinking person. So I, I started like a, a very liberal approach, which is like a quite common at the beginning of this century in Poland, if you bear in mind all the transformation we had. But then I realized how institutions are important. And, you know, there, there is like this, this final thing that if people do not coordinate uh, what they do, then they always end in a yeah. mess. And I think to me, like how we coordinate things is, is the most fascinating issue. And I think we are like a quite failing in, in that at the moment, like in, uh, around the world. Uh, and I also think that, you know, what we do in the, in the decentralized space may be like at least part of the answer. Mm -hmm. So no particular school, I think, but also like evolving from um, quite like a Chicago style liberal uh, to like an institutions believer and at the same time, like a liberty uh, or freedom. Uh, believer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so 
what was it that made you realize that institutions are the one of the major factors in sort of the way we organize ourselves? Was there a clear moment or was it a slow process of realizing that? That was, you know, like when, when, when you start doing things as a, as a naive young person, you, you take some, some, some things for granted. And uh, as it happens, I, I, I spent like a, a few years at the beginning of my career uh, working with the, uh, with the public institutions, like first uh, in the, in the uh, Polish Central Bank as just employee. Then I had a, like a brief incident in, in government as an, uh, um, uh, as an expert, as an economical analyst. And, and then I moved to, to the private sector, but still working for, for uh, um, public sector as a consultant. And, and I realized that, you know, a, a lot of things um, does not work. And, they, and, they, they, it, and the things that do not work uh, are not performing because they cannot, because the, the, the design is, 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 is wrong. And there is like no way around it. Uh, this is like you know, like a um, like a broken thing that you cannot really mend. You have to think about uh, replacement, and also like seeing like what's happening around the world at the moment. I I think this is uh, very interesting to see how um, many problems in internal uh, politics we have in different countries are either leveraged or or made like a, a little bit contained. By the quality of institutions and and to me like for example looking on what's happening in in uh, i don't know united states and uh, united kingdom for example versus what's happening in in the eastern europe so like the the political processes you know the the rise of populism of uh, polarization are pretty similar but then like everything bad that happens is here like uh, exaggerated by the poor institutions which are often like a keeping things at bay in, in, in a countries with better institutions. So you're not, you're not necessarily um, pro all institutions generally, but you're pro institutions as a model for organization. Sure. And I also think that, you know, in many um, cases, uh, the problem with institutions is that people are trying to relay on, on state or the government to provide the institution, provide the solution, rather than trying to organize themselves around something and create like, their own institutions. And I think like this creation of own institutions is what we actually try to do in a decentralized space, like a lot of us. Mm -hmm. So you could say you're pretty pretty big on DAOs? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty big on DAOs. I, I'm not really sure if DAOs is the best term, but you know, this is like the, just a term. Uh, what I'm what I'm pretty big about, and what I think uh, you know, decentralization should really be about is is like giving more power to the people, but not in a, in a way that you know, like this, this is total freedom. You can do whatever you want. That that will not work. That will end up chaos. Like this is about like um, uh, building frameworks for people to coordinate uh, between each other between themselves. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's my take on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I should introduce this is Mike, our CEO, but, um, one, one thing just to, I mean, just to really jump in and, well, Mike, uh, nice to meet you. for those, 
in relation to what we've been talking about with institutions, where does, so I, you know, I should say that Gollum was one of my first ever crypto, uh, oh. yeah, I guess investments really, really, it must've been when you first started, but, um, I remember it when it wasn't the Gollum foundation. So in relation to what we've been talking about with institutions, what is the Gollum foundation? Because that's your, that's your main, <laughs> your main thing right at the moment, along with wildland. Yeah, well, that 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 that's main main focus. So, so Golem Foundation is a spin-off of uh, like what we started with Golem a couple of years back. Uh, it was created with the assumption that there is like a more than one way to contribute to the ecosystem, like both uh, like a token ecosystem, GLM ecosystem, but like a more worldly looking at that, and you know all the ideas that made us to, to start like a, the golem uh, in the first place. So, um, and, you know, with the, with the funding we, we, we had and still have, we, we figured out that, you know, we can do like uh, things in more than one way, just building this uh, <laughs> global supercomputing network. And one of the first one of those, one of the first ones of those is Wildland IO, which is, as I understand it, a way for users to interact with the data in the way they want. So it's a decentralized data service, right? Yes. So, well, this is like a, a much more than that. Um, prefer, perhaps before going into specifics of Wildland, I will just tell you that my view on like a, how to like a, decentralize everything has evolved uh, over time. Like like many people in the space, like uh, back in like the uh, 2014, 2015, I was like uh, fixated uh, about technology and, and tech. You know, this is this is this experience when you first um, start like uh, grasping the idea of blockchains. You know how that works um, independently, and this is like a combination, of course, of technology and and economy, like a like a mechanism design and incentives that makes this thing running. Uh, but in fact, I think that um, I was not the only one who, who was like back then very much focused on, on technical solutions to things. And and also believing that uh, everything like have, has to be like technically like a really decentralized. And while I, yeah, I kind of still believe in that, but uh, I also think that, that um, what was proved over the couple last years uh, is that this is this is extremely challenging uh, especially for like more complex things than executing um, really complex stuff like uh, and, and in fact like a golem what we tried to do in golem is one of the examples that like a uh, decentralizing to like totally everything technically is is, is uh, it's not really possible uh, not always. So, so the question is like, how much you need decentralized and why you decentralize like uh, technically, uh, and I believe the the answer is like coming back to what I said at the beginning is like giving more power to the individuals. So, so if you are building like whatever network, whatever service, like the goal is to to build a system where uh, where people like have a say. Like this is like the decentralization part are not locked in and you know in a way are not forced to do things 
So this is like a pretty opposite to what we observe in the big tech at the moment, for due to the network effects, to how things are organized and run, you are like locked in with the, I don't know, Facebook, Google, like whatever. So, and, and I think like a decentralized um, alternative to all those things is not necessarily like a peer-to-peer -peer connectivity, you know, like a decent consensus mechanism, but designing like a, things in a way that will not like a lock in user and will give them say about like what's going on. Like one of the examples, which is like a partly technical, but but not really requiring a, a lot of technical stuff, rather like a way of enforcing it uh, is is um, is something called, um, yeah, what was the term exactly? Anyway, like enforcing platforms to be cross compatible between each other. So you could use, for example, I don't know, Facebook to, 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 to read your Twitter feed and vice versa. And then that would like create enough of a momentum for uh, break this lock in, I think, for, for many users and allow them to like switch platforms if they, if they are unhappy with what's going on there. Um, so, so, so I think that technology is only part of the answer and not perhaps the, the most important even. Uh, and with that in mind, and like many other things with mind, like uh, we, we, we came to, to these ideas behind the Wildland project. And Wildland is obviously about your data or about your information. So like anything that can have, that has a form of a, of a file that you want to store somewhere. And, um, and like in, in the first step, like we thought like how you can make your data uh, not too tight to whatever backend, like for example, cloud storage backend you, you store them on. And that uh, is where the idea of like a storage container comes in. So this is like a, like a technically speaking, this is a little bit like a Docker container, but for data. So you just have like a, your data picked in the, in the container. You can see them in your file system, even integrate that with like whatever app that could use the data. But then you can like switch the backend that the data is on like uh, instantly and without uh, even like a notifying the like a, your file system or your um, or your app that 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 that, that change happened. Uh, and if you think about that, this is this is pretty cool because they can in a in a first step you can think about that as the like a I don't know Dropbox or or Google Drive replacement, uh, which is already like pretty cool I think, but but then um, you realize that that means that you can have something that will be in terms of uh, privacy and availability pretty close to like the the most robust decentralized uh, storages. Uh, you have around at the moment, and by the way, they are like not really working yet. Uh, but at the same time, you can you can you, you do not need like a trustless solution, and you can use like an industry standard backends like S3, even AWS S3, and like a other like a standard cloud storage providers just switching like between the backends, providing redundancy, and and this is like a where you can have like a you can achieve like what you want from decentralization, like without like a like a trying to decentralize everything that is related to the 
technology. You need to centralize some, but you do not have to like uh, build everything like uh, from all the stuff from the from the ground. And then on top of that container, you know, to, to get the container, of course, you need some some addressing. You could you use just like a simple like a addressing that we have uh, around based on DNS. Uh, but of course, that 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 also creates like an additional element of failure of, of, of censorship. So we so we figured out that that having like an own addressing system is is what could really help here. And building that uh, addressing system, like a uh, Jana Putkowska, who is by the way like the, the main like a technical mind behind Wylon came out with the uh, something that we call multipaths or multi-categorization. So, so that this container can be like a built into like a, your file system, not under like this single path, but under like an as many paths as, as you want. And we integrate that in a way that all the paths are like equal. Well, there, there is a main path that is used like if you are not able to like map everything in a, in a, in a proper fashion, we want to do to do that. But but basically, like all those paths are equal, and that gives you like a very low level uh, method of uh, building like a structure on top of your, of your data. So like a, like my favorite example um, are photos. So at the moment, like if you if you want to browse through your photos, you usually use something like a um, Photos on Apple or Google Photos, uh, and there your 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 photos are not files anymore. Well, they they are files. Some some were deep underneath, but this is not how we do that. Like a ten or twenty years ago, when we had had like just you know like a folders with flat structure and photos, there are like under categories. I don't know family or friends or by the timeline, whatever. Now you just use your photos on your Apple. You can go through timeline. You can search for like a like animals. You have like a face recognition to group people, um, and and this is like really really cool. What is problematic here that is that as these that there are not files anymore. At least not for the average user. You are locked in in that stuff. So you. If, I don't know if you guys ever tried to, for example, migrate like things between uh, what between platforms. This is obviously possible, but you 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 lose all the value added that you have with the photos. Now, if you just store that photos using like our multi-categorization system, then you can you can you can build all that information on a on a file system level, which means that this is as portable. As possible, and this is like a, where we hope that you know once we are like a production ready, this will give an edge and will allow this portability and uh, competitiveness between between platforms. I can basically I, I think that it will be possible at some day to to have like a, on your file system level experience comparable to what you have at the moment at the moment with Google Photos, for example, for organizing your photos, and that can be. Like true for like an every aspect of your digital life, like uh, for example, Joanna is 
very much after using that for like a personal knowledge management system, so like a note taking, uh, that you can organize like your personal knowledge along those lines and you know break free from any like a note taking app mm. that you use at the moment. But there are like many others. I'm, I'm interested in on your thoughts of um, I'm assuming you've heard of Urbit. Uh, Urbit, the sort of Urbit, U-R-B-I-T. No, it's sort of like um, they're, they're like basically creating a portable operating system. But I mean, it doesn't matter the specifics of Urbit. But it seems that do you think this is the way that the that the majority of digital technology is going? Um, in the sense that there's you're no longer tethered to a sort of centralized thing such as say Windows or Apple that everything's becoming this portable, almost like a layer, and everything's just becoming like a, your our computing experience will become almost like a patchwork, right? And you just plug in whatever you want. There's mm -hmm. no central tether that you have to be compatible with anymore. Mm, I'm not really sure about that. So I, I think there are like a two big divergent trends. On the one hand, like a people are trying to, to make things as portable as possible. On the other hand, like a big guys are trying to lock you in as as as, as much as possible, and and I think that the latter is is like a still dominating thing like, with your uh, this 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 fact that um, you do not like a uh, at least you know for the uh, everyday experience like and on the personal level you rarely interact with files anymore like uh, maybe like a in a professional life. If you have to like work with spreadsheets, or if you're a developer, of course, then you interact with files. But apart from that, I'm, I'm not really sure. Okay. So just to jump back to an earlier bit in our conversation, are you how? Because I'm trying to discern where you stand on decentralization. I'm assuming you sort of think that it's it is a benefit, but it's not going to be as um, sort of virulent in every aspect of digital life as say. Um, you know, some of the really bullish crypto people think it is. Do you think decentralization is going to be as big as people are making out, or do you just think it will fill a fill a certain space? Well, you know, that depends on uh, how you believe things will evolve. I think that people who really like uh, care about that and and have some deeper thoughts like are not really. Uh, cannot really agree whether there is like a, a inherent conflict built into the system so that you have either the centralized the centralized world or the centralized world and they there is like a um and there has to be a moment where there will be like a bloodshed between one and another and one will prevail and other will fail whichever will fail uh, the other take is I think that perhaps we'll be able to like and uh, change things in a more evolutionary way. Uh, I'm 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 a little bit on the fence here, so I'm I'm a big believer that we can improve like a, a lot of things um, by like breaking silos, building like a decentralized governance mechanism, building technology that will make things like as, as portable as, as possible. On the one hand, on the other hand, as, as I said, like there are like a really like a powerful trends that are against that. And uh, and also like if you if you if you look at the centralized space, like apart from like um, 
all the like fun financial applications. There is not really a lot of things that are usable by um, by like a broader groups of people. There are some, of course, and there are like a cool examples of also of like a centralized technologies that go along those lines of like a privacy and openness. Um, uh, but but I, but I think like um, that this is like a very difficult battle, and and this like a military term is is not a coincidence. Why I think that you know things can coexist, I, I I really think that we have to push hard to 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 make people realize this is important, convince them that you know like sometimes it is worth to give up some convenience for for more freedom. But at the moment, I think most people are willing to keep up uh, uh, freedom for convenience. Like you know, sim simple example. For example, there are there are some alternatives to to Google Docs, and but still, like even like with people from our space, I, I have like a troubles with convincing people. Like yeah, let's use not not Google Docs for that, but something else. At least like a hacker and which is uh, which is not Google, at least. Uh, so, so I, I'm not that you know optimistic as a lot of people in the space that you know, yeah, it's happening, yeah, 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 yeah bullish on everything. I, I think this is not realistic approach. Well, I'm I'm wondering what seems to drive a lot of the willingness to sacrifice convenience is some kind of pain, some kind of frustration, like. There are you know, plenty of ways in which crypto is harder to use than fiat money, but people are sick of the deals they're being offered in, in fiat money and sick of sick of the restrictions and, and the injustices. And, and they're willing to like fight back against that through the inconvenience. And I'm wondering what is can can only pain help with this transition? Can only a crisis help with this transition? Um, particularly with with what Golem is doing, I'm I'm wondering like where you see the most frustration pointing in the direction of the future that that you're building and setting up infrastructure for. Yeah, well, I I feel like I'm more confident speaking about Wildland at the moment than 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 Golem Network. As for you know, as for uh, as for Golem Network, I think that that they, they should speak like for what they they work on at the moment because I'm not actively developing Golem Network for um, more than three years now, uh, actually. <laughs> but but uh, you know, for Golem, I I think what can be decisive is if there is like a, a broader censorship. Uh, in a in, in a cloud computing services, that's for sure. And you know, this is happening. Maybe this is not something that uh, a lot of people realize, but there is some um, censorship, and sometimes for like a really like a strange reasons like that. You're it's hard to understand. Um, the other like a, a tipping point here can be like a just you know uh, prices. If if you know if the if the world is still like more and more hungry on, on computing power, and if you know chip uh, production uh, crisis that is on the horizon will will get worse, then that that perhaps this you know 
utilizing power that is normally underutilized is can be can be of importance. But you know, for Wildland, which is much more about data availability and data privacy, um, again, I think that that every uh, uh, major like a denial of service for whatever reason from from big platforms is something that makes people like realize that you know this lock lock in maybe it's not that good idea after all um and you know like uh, <laughs> uh I, i'm not saying i have a a, a lot of like schadenfreude uh, observing like uh leaks from big platforms again and again but i think that's 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 something that's really helps people understand that, that that privacy matters and perhaps they should they could care more about that so so yeah you know perhaps someone will like a have like a big time hack of um of major platform in a, in a coming year or two and that might be like a tipping point for for a lot of people but i think like we have enough people in you know our bubble uh, already to build like a products for a population which is maybe not like a huge as a as a, as a percentage of the world population but it's like a really really numbers and, and i think like people are waiting um i would say like desperately for for products that would uh, be at least sufficient compared to what is offered like a big guys uh, and this like a for example like a google docs alternatives that we talked before are a good example like a few years back you had nothing now like a new things and some of them like a like a really pretty cool like a, are popping up and i think this this trend will continue awesome yeah that makes perfect sense um i understand the feeling of 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 potentially schadenfreude when the uh the old old systems you know glaring uh issues show up in this sort of very predictable very visible kind of a way and yeah. uh, it seems like a lot of um like i was just asking you know what kind of pain moves people to adopt things that are inconvenient and i think that's that's exactly it that we yeah. have these re like repeating patterns of failure we had that in central banks and and the rest of the banking system we have that in corporate media we have that in centralized data and, and cloud computing. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, but also, you know, something just understanding something is, is, is enough. Like my personal story was like a few years back, like um, uh, we had like a, a, a meeting uh, at my company and like a, we took like a family photo and, and, I, <laughs> and I uploaded that family photo to, to Google Photos. And then you know Google Photos like listed me all the people who are in that photo like you know with names and surnames because they were in my contacts because they were from my company, and that was like a tipping point for for me like yeah but you know like I think they are they are like they they are learning too much about me right? I I don't really like it and that was where I like deleted like everything from from Google and started to look for alternatives. Um, yeah, that's that's creepy. I mean, I, I don't even remember when the moment, you know, I began to be able to search for ice cream in my, you know, Apple photos and then see all the pictures I've ever taken of ice cream. Like, it's weird. 
And yep. um, but of course, like yeah. the, the big part of the question is, you know, if this search and tagging happens locally or somewhere else, uh, in, in in many cases, like uh, uh, you can you can search for those uh, cut like photos, uh, cut like animals. I'm sorry, uh, photos. Um, Ink offline, so, so 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 your device can do like a pretty much a lot, but of course like it will not uh, tag people it, it doesn't know about like locally, and this is sound like a, a big machine underneath, and this is scary. So I I would be afraid you know about your phone telling you who is on the photo more than you know identifying this ice cream. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I completely agree. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, the, just the difference, the difference between the technology that we have on our phones already and what exists on, you know, state level or various levels of industry that are already deployed. Yeah. Like you hear, it, it's, it's hard, it's hard to imagine. And like, how, how can a consumer uproot that? Or how, like, what, what can we do? personally to like i guess become less vulnerable to these these technological advances that are way stacked in 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 someone else's favor yeah yeah well you know this is uh, a, a great question uh, and i i don't think there is like a simple answer to that like uh, on the one hand uh, of course like a transparency um, would help a lot and it helps a lot but you know, on the other hand, if if people do not care, then no level of transparency will fix it. I'm interested, Julian. I mean, so far you're quite in the middle of the ground, not super optimistic or super pessimistic about anything. Is there, you know, as we're as we are idea market, we we usually bring in these three questions of an idea you're bullish on, one you're bearish on, and one that you think is undervalued. I mean, is there any? idea going into the future that you're super super optimistic about that you think you know there's not really any negatives to it mm -hmm. yeah I, I my take is still the decentralized governance so i think there is momentum for that not only now but um but long term Perhaps like the centralized governance to me is something else than you know just DAO, uh, and I think there is like a, a lot of things that we need to figure out and the better than we do at the moment in in, in the space. Like I, I particularly uh, dislike the idea of uh, uh, speculative speculative coin uh, governance, so that you have like a token that is traded and it's used uh, for governance at the same time. I for number of reasons, I think this is like a really, really bad idea. Um, while like the the majority of the, the space is still like uh, after some kind of of, of, of that, like uh, um, but but overall, I I believe that if properly uh, designed, I think the centralized governance could uh, solve a lot of problems in in technology. So like. Um, you know, my, my my favorite example is that let's imagine that uh, that Facebook users uh, would be able just you know to to vote on 
uh, like what company runs Facebook? <laughs> and then they could say, yeah, you know, like this metaverse made so much strange crap. Like let's elect someone else to to, to run our social network. <laughs> and that would be like a like a pretty cool if they, they could do that. Like obviously, then all the problems kicks in. Like you know that people do not care, that do not vote, but you know at least they could do that, or they could make a like a part of uh, the users could like just fork out from Facebook, like a uh, like remaining like to be able to, to to be compatible with the with the uh, with the rest of the network. So they could they could take you know the stuff with, but keep the social graph intact, and all the you know friends still using. Uh, Facebook still connected, but could move to somewhere else, and uh, and there is like a, a lot of really cool stuff you can you, you can think about here. Um, there are some prerequisites for that in 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 case of social platforms. I think the the most important one is is this um, enforced compatibility and uh, and. Uh, Breaking that into pieces, so specific like an infrastructure protocol level and like a front end moderation level should be like a, two different things. Uh, but yeah, I think overall like uh, decentralizing that stuff is something that I'm really really um, enthusiastic about, and and I believe that that's 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 the future. As as you noticed, I'm rather like a, try to be a pretty balanced. Person. So I'm not saying, yeah, 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 you know, this will like uh, this will go to the moon for sure in the next year or two. But, but I think that there is where its potential and where we should like a focus much more on. Um, yeah. I had a follow up, but I want to let James continue with the uh, the, the triad here. No, go, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. All right. So my follow up is: Do you think the governance and this might be the wrong like the wrong framework to put it in but do you think the decentralized governance needs to get more complex in order to succeed better or to get more simple or is that like the wrong spectrum to look on because it seems like there's a lot of experimentation kind of in both directions and i've wanted to get your take on that yeah well i think you know for uh for governance to be successful, it, it has to be like adopted by people, and and I think like complexity is not really something that goes very well uh, with adoption. Uh, so like my personal take on how we want to do that at Wildland is to start you know with the pretty simple things, and then like once we gather like more users, more interest, perhaps evolve into like a more complex scenarios. Uh, but um, but I think like too too much complexity is is not really something that that will help with adoption. Also, you know, mm, uh, I, I think that there are some examples that that too complex things, especially if you if you start like a, something that is too complex and too decentralized at the same time, you can end up like a just hacked. And and of course, even if the 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 monetary gain you can have from that hack is smaller than that was in, for example, in the DAO hack or the DAO exploit, whatever, however you want to to call it, uh, 
there are still might be people interested in doing that, you know, just for breaking things and, and whatever. Uh, and and then what is really like a problematic, I think, in the in the decentralized governance is that that people might exploit that, and you know, this is happening in fact uh, right now with many things. So in terms of simplicity, do you think kind of like a uh, you know a decentralized autocracy would be a good way to go like you have one one guy in charge and maybe you can replace him if you want to under certain circumstances but generally it's just very simple and you and everything goes you know through that you know single simple prism or would that you know would that would that well you know yeah that that's the question about institution or institutions that we started with so uh, you know the, the problem with such setup is that you have that autocrat, like whatever rules you have to replace him, like uh, chances are that, that, that that autocrat will be able to override uh, those rules. So you would have like a, a pretty good governance to, to do that. But, but in fact, you know, that, that very simple idea I presented for Facebook is exactly this. So like, you know, let's go with tech as long as, you know, tech behaves and then if he misbehaves, like let's have some some mechanism to, to replace him. So this is like a simple design and, and I kind of like it uh, with the, um, but you know, with these asterisks that <laughs> that may be too simple to, to, to really work. You know, like a, like a simple design, I, I for example, uh, have in mind that we, we might use in the, in the first uh, iteration of, of wireless governance is that you, you simply do not really vote on autocrat or you do not really vote on features or anything like that. But there is like some uh, fixed stream of funding, like to, to different parties working on, on the protocol and what you can, what you can do is just to like uh, put weights to like how you see like those uh, uh, parties are um, uh, performing and just you know to make some bigger and to starve the other. I like the what you mentioned earlier about you know being able to elect a different company to run Facebook. I like that idea yeah. of like entire group elections or entire group replacements. I've often thought it would be great if we could hit a big red button and replace everyone, you know, in American government, because if you do it one at a time, you're just going to get bullshit of Theseus. It's just going to recycle and, you know, stay the yeah. same. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that's a cool, that's a cool angle on that. Yeah. That, by the way, this like what you said about, you know, uh, replacing government, uh, that that's, like a pretty similar to some ideas um, within like a liquid democracy movement and, and ideas. This is not like a really part of a, a blockchain crowd or decentralized crowd, but pretty close to it. Like I, I think, for example, like democracy earth is, is taking like a lot from, from like a liquid democracy ideas. So, so yeah, this is, this is pretty much it. Like uh, that, uh, uh, by the way, I, I think that you know, like we are too fixated in in, in many um, uh, discussions on this, like uh, how the voting should should, should work, and, uh, and and I really love things like, a, for example, like a radical exchange movement that they have like a pretty cool ideas uh, around voting and and how you can make it better. Uh, quadratic voting, obviously, but 
also some others. So, yeah. So that would be like something that you can even build on to to make uh, U.S. Uh, government uh, replaceable more often than uh, for years or less often if people decide so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that too. Um, what about? Have you heard of uh, like a, a sort of reverse democracy where basically everyone gets votes? but you cast them for people that you definitely do not want in power. And then the people with yeah, the sure. least votes end up with the power. Sure. Sure. This is, I, I think this is actually one of the ideas that, you know, is uh, discussing radical markets. Uh, so sure. Because then, you know, um, like a majority voting, uh, especially if there is like a, only one round of voting is, is like a, uh, terribly bad uh, way of like uh, determining like uh, preferences of, of people like uh, so yeah absolutely all right I'm, I'm sure we'll have more governance questions coming up because this is something that we're interested in but not experts in and uh, you know just you know ha have to have to siphon the expertise from from other people in order to figure this stuff out um, James, did you want to go on to the yeah, next? Yeah, well, I was uh, just going to ask, you know, so this is the thing, that was the thing that you're, you know, mostly bullish on, but not fully. As you say, you, you try to keep pretty balanced. Is there anything you're you're really sure on that everyone, usually I ask it, is there anything you're sure on which everyone else is, you know, really raving about right now, right? Is there anything you think everyone's loving that you think is going to be a complete failure? Yeah, well, I kind of, not really enthusiastic about uh, NFTs. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this is uh, if this is becoming popular now uh, or still unpopular idea. So and and so you know with NFTs, I, I'm not really uh, against like a specific things. So yeah, if people want to uh, buy like a a, a picture, like a digital picture for like a bazillion of, do of dollars, they are free to do that. Nothing against that. But, you know, overall, like uh, using NFTs as a way of uh, marketing uh, blockchains uh, and adding value to that is, is a little bit like uh, trying, like if, 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 if someone tried like a 20 years ago to increase like a, a SQL database based on the fact that this is so widely used for like a trading things on eBay, so I, I really don't get it. Like, where is the the connection? Like, what what where is the relation? Like, uh, um, so so this is something that I'm not really buying into. It seems but like that, but by the way, but yeah. still, I think like NFTs are like a great use case and the great use case for blockchains. I would love to be able to do that. Trade like a real estate on on uh, on blockchain, for example, like and as NFTs. I, I, this is like a really valid use case, and I love it. But still, I you know I, I don't think this is something that should make like a the bubble in the market. It does seem like it's kind of um, this this cycle's version of ICOs. That there's this kind of tech, there's a technical innovation that is 
you know, having this, it's, it's the explosion of, of, of possibility where everyone's doing everything they possibly can and only like a little, a little fraction of that will have any longevity. And something that someone else pointed out uh, as well after the ICO boom was that these market cycles are often ways for like Bitcoin and Ethereum whales to exit their positions after a top. They can like cycle down into these other little things and ride the pumps and and get out that way more profitably than if they just sell Bitcoin and then wait four more years. Yeah, well, you just described like a pump and dump scheme for the whole like a crypto world. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's definitely that explosion of optimism, and then you know you figure out where the where the real justified optimism is, you know, over time. Yeah. With you know what as as for the, the key, I, I'm I'm not really like a following markets that um, often, and I'm not that interested in that. Like, but what really like is puzzling me whether you know this will be still this uh, uh, cycle of explosion and then like of, of a winter, or rather like uh, people are now so many people are invested and interested in that 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 you know those this winters even if they happen will be not that severe and long or, or perhaps you know like uh, uh, there will be like a the, the last cycle at some point where people like decide like you know this this is all crap at least from the financial point of view i i don't really know that uh, and i have no no progress for that got you yeah i'm not i'm not that much of a trader myself and don't follow those things incredibly closely but it's interesting to to figure out what kinds of trends might like help make sense of of this stuff that might look so you know crazy and chaotic and disordered uh, i'm kind of obsessed yeah. with, with finding the order in the chaos yeah i, I don't think it is possible uh, <laughs> you know like a, i i you know i'm i'm kind of in the space for like a eight years now with more than eight years and and I think this is like a only growing more complex and more difficult to understand, not the other way around. Very interesting. Why do you to what do you why what makes you say that? I'm just wondering like what kind of complexity are you seeing like being un, unprecedented compared to earlier years? You know, I I, I think that as the, the as the markets grew larger and also like with the more and more uh, options to leverage things like the uh, um, uh, this is becoming and, and also like with the growing number of exchanges and the centralized exchanges and also like with the growing number of assets this is just you know like more difficult to follow and more difficult to understand that, that's what i mean um, but that it's not only growing in numbers but also growing in in, in complexity so for, for example, I don't think you, you can understand uh, what's going on at the moment on the markets without uh, intimate understanding of um, stable coins, of all the like leverage options you have. So, yeah, I, I'm not even trying. <laughs> That's true. That makes sense. You do see the uh, all the leveraged options and all the like the uh the, the machinations of, of trying to squeeze 
the juice out of out of every spare dollar. I, it's, it's very interesting, but there's only so far down that rabbit hole that you can go, uh, unless it's particularly your thing. And when you start having yep. two or three letters in front of a token in order to signify that it's staked and restaked and unstaked and leveraged, yeah. and put in a blender exactly. and stuck a, it's just like it gets it gets really nuts. Um, yeah. I've heard, I've heard, you know, coming back to NFTs a little bit, I've heard the idea that NFTs could provide like, man, I don't know what the right way to put this is, but like a new atomic unit of internet content, like in the way that we might have URLs now, or like I could, I can imagine a world in which all software is open source on an NFT. And then when it gets used, some kind of royalty goes to the creator. So like if you, if you built something like Facebook, you'd have the wall built by some guy in Guam and the comments built by some guy in Peru. And, you know, in each section of this will be like NFTs nested within each other so that the original author gets the credit, but the stack can still be used. Does that kind of jive? Does that make sense to you? Does that seem possible? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's this issue which, if solved, could help a lot with uh, how the things work um, on the internet. Um, because it is true that, you know, the, there's all brand-based, like most of it is now brand-based free content that is free, people are not rewarded. Uh, there is like a no real market mechanism here expect from like a platforms like a exploding that. So, so, so of course, like a building something like that, like is like a great idea. And I was like a, also like I was like a, uh, maybe not following very closely, but uh, watching like things things on like Steemit, for example. Like so, there, there is like a lot of like a attempts to to uh, to reward people for content or for like an attention, like whatever. Um, Still, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it is not possible, but I don't know any any model where it would like uh, work for real. And, and I think like what what you described is like a pretty much science fiction at the moment. Uh, partly, of course, because they call this just like a throughput limitations. So, yeah, I don't know the numbers, but I think this is like still like a orders of magnitude larger than what can like uh, the, the best uh, layer two or the best like uh, scaled uh, blockchains can provide so so for that reason this is uh, a little bit problematic and the other is that you know once there is like a, a value in something people will try to game it for of course you know to to have some gain uh, without uh, without a lot of work without creating any meaningful content in that case. So you either have to have some like a trustless mechanism uh, for that, which I cannot really imagine, but maybe it is possible in some kind of like a reputation system, whatever. Um, or, uh, or you would have to have some like a gatekeeper or sensor, which is like always tricky, obviously. Um, 
And then like at the end of the day, like the question is like, well, the value comes from. So, so make, what makes that token that would be used for that rewards uh, uh, give value to that NFTs? Like uh, where that value would come from? Like what the mechanism here? And I'm not saying it is impossible to design something, but I, I don't really know what that could be. But this is that, yeah, this is interesting. Cool. I'm, you know, don't don't have strong feelings about it one way or another. It just seemed like a, a potentially um, like technical, technically useful function for NFTs beyond just buying pictures for $12 billion or whatever the going rate is these days. Yeah, sure. But, you know, on, on the other hand, this is, again, like the, the issue of like uh, what people are willing to, to do and what they are not willing to do. And, you know, that if you, if you look at the research, like um, uh, how people are used to the fact that they have like things on the Internet for free, that's like a really crazy. Like, uh, and that goes like true for content, for services, like for everything. I, I think this is changing. So like more and more people realize that they have to pay for staff to like uh, uh, keep the, the, the privacy quality and so on. But uh, overall, I, I think like uh, people are not willing to pay for things and for content. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't really expect that to change either. Um, I do think you know th there are innovative monetization models for content coming, but uh, I, I don't I don't think charging the viewer to do something that had been free before is going to catch on very well without some other new element to make it worth it. Yep. Yeah. Well, perhaps if that could be like some kind of like a zero sum game, so like you know. You create content and you're getting paid for it, but then you can use that income only to see content of the others. So and so that would mean that the more content you create, the, the more content you can consume, which is you know a little bit contradiction. That's kind of <laughs> smart, actually. That's kind of smart. I like that. Yeah, that it's... just just came to my mind. But then, I like you know, it. Like, uh... <laughs> I like this. Yeah, a you lot. can take it. All you right. can take it. It's I yours. will. I will. It'll be like a Tinder kind of a thing, where like if you swipe, it costs <laughs> something, and if you don't like what you see, well, then you're just out a few bucks. And people have different like rankings based on uh, how successful they've been and earning their keep. Uh, this is fun. Well, that could work, for example, for like uh, also just. Thinking about that, like a lovely the moment that would work, for example, for like a stock photos uh, collectives, cooperatives, so that you you have like a, 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 a photographers that at the same time using those photographs for something, you know, contributing kind of information. Totally. So uh, I'm 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 intrigued. To the third the third question then is is what is a, an idea that you consider to be extremely undervalued at the moment, uh, you know, one that's being ignored. Other than maybe maybe Wildland. Uh -huh. And it, it could be, it doesn't have to be a business idea or a technology idea. It could just be um, knowledge 
a certain a certain factor set of set of facts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I actually what I what I think is worth mentioning here is 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 is, is related to what you were talking about. So so I think what what is uh, uh, undervaluated is is availability as as the as a critical like a property of uh, of services you know in a in a free internet in uh, preserving freedom people are very much focused on on privacy and rightly so uh, but I, but I think that this 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 uh, availability part is a little bit overlooked because still people like to, to take for granted that, that things just work and they are uh, where they want them to be. And, and I think this is like a pretty strong assumption that they will be always where they expect them to be. Um, I don't know if that counts for the answer. <laughs> sure, no, that, that's a good point, that especially that just how accustomed we've become to having everything at our fingertips the way we expect it, that if that's not there, it's going to be a much bigger problem than we anticipate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Julian, I mean, is there anything you'd like to add about um, Gollum or, or I know you're not so much with, with Gollum anymore, but Wildland, um, you know, that you feel that we haven't covered? You know, like uh, speaking about the governance models, I, I, I think that would be interesting just to add, you know, how we envision governance for uh, wildland and more broadly, I think that that approach can be used in, in other projects, you know, other, other platforms as well. So I, I said before that I don't really like the idea of like a speculative token governance. So uh, for uh, Wildland, we uh, we have an idea of something called like a proof of usage, and, and proof of usage is just like a governance token that is generated based on the usage of the platform. So 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 basically, that makes like the the uh, uh, that that creates a solution where where governance goes to the user directly, and the more you use something, the more say you have. In the in the in the governance, and of course, of course, like the, the question is um, how to do that properly, uh, especially how to make that robust enough for not to be like a played in a in a very simple way. Um, and our, our thinking at the moment is the theme the marketplace, so that you know using is is somehow tied with the with the transfer of value. And our idea is that you like uh, subtract like the tiny tiny fraction of the payment, and you convert that tiny fraction of the pay payment. You burn it. In our case, you burn it like with the consuming some of the like a GLM token, uh, which like also creates a sync for the for the system, uh, and you create this proof of usage that is later used for the for the governance. And, and also that this proof of usage is uh, non-transferable. So that makes it not tradable. Um, and that's how what to like a, sort out like the big question of like a, who can vote in a, in a system. Because like if you're designing like a 
the governance system then of course like the, the one of the most important person question is like uh, uh, who, who can vote <laughs> and you know how how strong is the vote of the of a given person of the given user so so that's our the take on that and and we are pretty excited excited about 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 this approach um yeah we'll see how it works how is it going to work so the governance the governance is directly related to basically those who are most reliant and most skin in the game with regards to the system they're using yeah, so why exactly. haven't, why hasn't that system been used of before course. that seems like the most sensible one well i don't know well i guess it's it's anathema you know, to the way, I, I mean i guess it's like a form of democracy right because if democracy is everyone gets to say you're not saying everyone gets to say you're only you're saying only the people that matter with respect to the foundation of the system get a say. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Of course, you know, you can, you, in a way, of course, the system is widely mm. used. So, so, so at the moment, if people are designing products, they're listening to the customers. Not always, not to all the customers, but basically, like if you if you're creating a product, then you want to sell that product. And you that you're listening to to your customers to 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 make like the best product they uh, uh, that they can get because then you will sell more of the product and you know it's like a pretty simple mechanic. Uh, of course, like I, I think this is this this model became problematic with uh, software especially, and and of course especially with the with the free services, but because like uh, with with the free services. There is like a very, there is like a real misalignment of the, of the, of the goals of the users and of uh, of the service creator. So I don't know what can be the, the goals of the users. That depends on the story. But of course, like uh, uh, in, in case, for example, example of the social platforms, and we can see that like uh, all the time, uh, the incentive is to, to to make people use the platform. As, as as much as possible. So 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 you do not use your like a social media platform to just communicate with other people, like sort out things that you want need to sort out with them, like a coordinate. But he but the platform is created in a way that is not really beneficial to you. It's created in a way that will make you spend as much time as possible there, which is probably like not really optimal to your welfare. So um, <laughs> so so so. Uh, so, so this model, like, uh, uh, might be like when you listen to your customers, but you do not have uh, your uh, goals aligned with their goals, and their goals are not really revealed. Uh, might be pretty like fucked up for uh, for free services, and even for paid services. Of course, like you want to create as great product as possible, but you also want to lock in people. As much as possible, and this is like a true for like a. I think the best uh, example is Apple, uh, and what they do like um, uh, in their stack. So everything is so closely integrated within Apple stack, uh, and and admittedly, like most of the times, uh, user experience is just great, and you pay real money for that, and you get like a real service, but. But underneath, everything is built in, in a way that locks you in. And and once you have your first iPhone, then you realize that you know, well, 
well, having now switching to macOS will be like really beneficial because that all works together. Then buying to that like an Apple Watch, like whatever else you can buy, like Apple Cars or like makes like that all like really bundled, but that close you in. So even if you pay, that's still like those um, those goals are not really aligned of the, uh, of, of the customer and of uh, of the producer. So so this is like pretty much obvious why why this is not used on the uh, in the traditional you know marketplace with the traditional producer and and, and, and customer. And you know as for the as for the decentralized way, uh, uh, the decentralized world, I, I think no one has used that for like a pretty simple reason. First, like this is much easier to bootstrap a project around a speculative token rather than like that kind of governance token where you have like a product and, and you know, users first to even think about. So, so that's something that that might be just difficult to start. Mm, and, and the other <laughs> problem. That of course we, oh, sorry. Uh, the other problem we we still have uh, is that we do not really outside of the at least financial uh, use cases. We do not have many use cases yet with like uh, real users uh, and real marketplaces. Because I, I at the moment I don't have idea how to make that you know without the marketplace. Maybe NFTs would be like the answer here, as you as you as you noted. But then I, that 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 would be like a pretty far away anyway. So what what is your um what is the immediate future for you then at the moment? At the moment we are working on like a first like a customer grade um, implementation of of Wyvern. Uh It will be uh, called Cargo. Mm -hmm. uh, it will first come and on macOS, then other desktop platforms will follow, and then later web and uh, mobiles as well. Uh, the, this will be a little bit like a, a Dropbox or Trezorit. So, so basically, you will be able to store your um, personal files there, uh, but you will be able to like a, you will have autonomy on like a what backend it is stored it. You will be able to like add redundancy if you want, so like a store like uh, your things on uh, more than one backend, um, and then this will be like a start on which we will like uh, gradually uh, build upon. That sounds great. I like the name too. Cargo is a good name for that. Yeah, that's you know this that was a little bit inspired by the fact that this is Wildland, but there is a container. And you had this cargo cult in uh, in uh, in Pacific during the Second World War and after. So that that, that was the inspiration. So that's you know, right. That you can imagine that 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 the crate of goods somewhere in the middle of the jungle, which is quite <laughs> So that that will that's how the branding will look like more likely, most likely. How it's inspired. Nice. Yeah. It's a great name. I mean, where, whereabouts can we? Um, what's the the site address for Wildland? And and when? For Wildland is wildland dot wildland dot io. You can also go to docs wildland io. There is like an instruction on how to use what we have at the moment. At the moment, we have like a command line client that you can 
have to like test or, or all the features of, of Wideland. Uh, but this is still like a prototype, right? So we are improving it now and building uh, graphical interfaces, improving UX, like, uh, you know, figuring out how exactly it should work for the user. So this is our work at the moment. Wow. Well, I mean, it's all been, it's all been super interesting, Julian. Um, I've, got, I've got nothing else really in my questions to add. I mean, Mike, is there anything you'd like to add in? I think, I think my last question is, how do you expect people's behavior to change once these kinds of technologies are widely adopted? Do you like, it seems, it seems like such a fundamental primitive that you could imagine a lot of like kind of larger scale shifts around it as a result, like downstream. I'm just kind of wondering if you have any particular vision for that or hopes or fears or kind of what, what your thoughts on that might be. So what struck me when I, you know, first started experiment, experimenting with blockchains and with the decentralizations in general is that um, this is actually something that, that requires from the user much more awareness and much more responsibility. Um, so, like the the great example is end-to-end -end encryption. I think so. Like uh, for end-to-end uh, -end encryption to to make sense, obviously <laughs> you need to keep your keys to yourself, your private key to yourself. So, so if you if you lose it, like there is like a, uh, no one will help you. It's just lost, and you know you're fucked. <laughs> uh, so on the one hand. This is great. So you encrypt your data, and really no one can, you know, get access to it. Uh, but on the other hand, this is like a pretty terrible that that you have to be aware enough and responsible enough to to take advantage of it. And, and overall, I, I I think that you know if we are able to to take off. With, with all those technologies, that would make that the people are like a more aware and more, more responsible on what they do with their digital lives, at least. Maybe with their lives in general. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. It's been great to see and, and fascinating to see how, in, in another context, the existence of Bitcoin has made people think rethink the fundamental assumptions behind economics and, and money and, and how it all works. Just just having like a new way of approaching things changes, that makes people want to research and makes people want to understand, you know, the more fund, fundamental principles behind yeah. everyday behavior. And that's absolutely something that I could see applying here. Uh, absolutely. You know, to me, like a, one of the, like a, a rare moments was where when I realized that for, uh, for cryptocurrencies, you can like uh, memorize your private key, which is obviously like uh, not the simplest way to think to do, but obviously you can do that. It is, it precarious. is you can do that. Yeah, you can do that. And then you know you can you, you can essentially like uh, travel around the world with your wealth in your mind, and this is like a mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
huge. I think I'm gonna need to like I'm gonna need to let these things stew stew a little bit longer. When when is cargo coming out? Because that that is the kind of tool that I might you know start using right away. Hmm. Well, you can you can start using it uh, even at the moment, but with a lot of pains. <laughs> okay. So uh, as as for the prototype I, I mentioned, uh, you know, I in this business like revealing any dates is like okay. a oh yeah, you're right, tricky, you're right, tricky, tricky thing. So you're right. I wouldn't yeah, ask I'm, me to talk about that stuff either. That's that's a good point. I'm just yeah, saying. I'm you know, just saying. I, I'm interested. A uh, couple of months ago, we were like assuming like nine months. Uh, but, um, uh, but at the moment I would say like, uh, nine months. <laughs> I completely understand. It's, it's, everything is always the same amount of time away. It's like driving around Los Angeles. Your neighbor is a half hour. The beach is a half hour. Downtown is a half hour. It's crazy. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, I just, just saying that I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to when that becomes available with, uh, perhaps, perhaps a little less pain, but, uh, sounds great. Yeah. Thank you. Hope you will be able to use it pretty soon. A lot to look forward to. Um, yeah, Julian, it's been really fun. It's been great. Um, thanks for coming on. And we'll be sure to link uh, Wildland and everything you guys are doing uh, in the description below. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And pleasure is all Thank mine. You. It was Thank really you. like a fun to talk to you. And meet Thank you. Guys. Likewise. I'm really glad. We'll stay in touch. Sure.